When you look at the world around you, are you overloaded by confusion? Do you get angrier and angrier the more you scroll through social media? Does the constant repetition of the 24-hour news cycle make you want to punch someone in the genitals? You're not alone. Welcome to Is It Me with Farley. Yes, hello and welcome to Is It Me? I am Farley and, well, this is my podcast. What are we going to be talking about on this episode? Well, that's kind of a... I'm so glad you asked. Actually, you didn't ask. I asked myself. But anyway, the thing is, I've kind of been struggling with what to talk about and what to do on this podcast. This will give you a little bit of insight into me as a person. I will get completely overloaded with ideas about what I want to talk about, how I want to talk about it, how I want to approach every different subject, because I don't just want to talk about politics. I don't want to just bitch about Trump. I, I don't want to just bitch about social media. I want to talk about other things, whether it's, you know, pop culture, music, movies, you know, all that kind of stuff, TV. But I get so overloaded with all of these ideas that are in my head that when it comes to, you know, turning the mic on and hitting record, I completely freeze. Like, I have no idea how to get started. I have no idea how to work my way through it or how I'm going to say it. And then I start overthinking. Then that starts to snowball. I start thinking, well, what if the idea sucks? What if that's not funny? What if this bit doesn't work? What if just what ifing the ever loving crap out of whatever I want to do to a point where I just completely shut down? I'm like, forget it. I'm not doing it. And that's been the case for the last few weeks. But finally, I figured, screw that. I'm just going to do the podcast. It's not like I have to worry about millions of listeners and what they're going to think and how they're going to react. There's like two people listening to this thing. So why am I letting myself get hung up on stuff that doesn't matter, which actually applies to my entire life? That kind of applies to society as a whole, but we're just talking about my issues right now. A couple things I do want to talk about. Uh, there's a few things on social media that I've seen that I want to talk about. There's I want to talk a little bit about the border wall, the big, fat, fabulous Trump wall. And I also want to talk about football because I'm kind of conflicted about football. And I'm a football fan. I love football. College, pro, I will watch whatever game is on. I love football. But I do want to hit on that a little bit because it kind of applies to my situation living as I do in Alabama and being raised my entire life as an Alabama fan. My, my parents went to Alabama. Most of my dad's family went to Alabama cousins uncles, aunts, I think they went to Alabama. I don't know about the aunts. My uncles went. But I guess I just wanted to give you a heads up as to why it's taken so long to put together another podcast. So I hope you'll strap in and be along for the ride. Or strap on and give yourself a ride. I don't know. Whatever makes you happy. It's America. Be free. Be happy. Right now, it's time for Completely Insufferable Douchebags. Today, we fix our gaze on Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. As Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York was seeking unanimous consent to fast-track a bill that would ensure funding for the September 11th Victims' Compensation Fund, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul decided that was the exact moment he needed to drop a deuce in the punch bowl. Senator Paul objected, he said, because he was concerned about the deficit and wanted to make sure he knew exactly how the program would be paid for. Of course, he didn't mind voting for President Trump's tax bill, which exploded the deficit. But Senator Rand Paul won't be swayed by emotion. He is a passionate fiscal conservative who just believes in responsibility and stroking the huge corporation's profits until they explode and release jobs all over the face of the nation. I imagine his hand must be incredibly cramped at this point. So Senator Rand Paul, 
I'd like to say to you, the next time September 11th rolls around, I'd like you to take your thoughts, prayers, and tired platitudes for the 9-11 first responders, fold them up into an origami swan, and jam them straight up your poop chute. Join us next time, won't you, for completely insufferable douchebags. That's our new segment, Completely Insufferable Douchebags. And uh, over the course of doing this podcast, we're, we're going to... There's a lot of people that qualify to be called Completely Insufferable Douchebags. You know it. I know it. It doesn't just have to be from politics. It'll be from showbiz and, well, wherever, you know, we find Completely Insufferable Douchebags, which is unfortunately a lot of places. But I do want to talk a little bit about Trump's border wall because I was reading this article in the Wall Street Journal that talks about... billion in Defense Department funds that are going to be diverted to expand what they're calling the barrier at the Mexican border. My first issue with this is the fact that Mexico was going to pay for it, right? Didn't we all hear that ad nauseum when Trump was running for president that Mexico was going to pay for it? So now he's taking it out of Defense Department funds. And these are programs that range from, you know, funding Afghan security forces to a retirement program for the U.S. military, as well as, you know, construction projects for military bases all over the world. That's according to Pentagon officials. So that's one issue for me. Another funny part, like two and a half billion dollars of these defense funds that are going to help build this wall are being taken from defense counter drug funding. So you take money from the programs that are fighting the illegal drugs to put a wall up to fight the illegal drugs. It just seems awfully redundant to me. But Trump supporters are all about this wall. You know, he stoked all those fears and all those myths about what undocumented immigrants get as far as like public benefits. Undocumented immigrants are ineligible to receive most federal public benefits. Food stamps, regular Medicaid, uh, supplemental security income, and uh, temporary assistance for needy families. Undocumented immigrants are ineligible for health care subsidies under the Affordable Care Act. See, the question for me is, how are undocumented immigrants getting Social Security numbers? See, that seems like a, you know something you want to track down, you want to figure out. But then there's people who believe that building the the border wall is going to keep drugs out of the country. That's the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard in my life. Okay, maybe not the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life, because I've heard a lot of ridiculous things. But it's definitely got to be up there on the list. I don't think those people realize how addiction works. Like, drugs are being supplied because there is a demand for those drugs. But a lot of times, people don't want to look at the issue of addiction. They don't want to look at it as an actual serious mental illness. You know, especially a lot of, you know, hardcore conservatives in Alabama, which is most of Alabama, if I'm being honest. You know, they want you to find Jesus and quit. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't work for everybody. Christianity doesn't work for everybody. There are a lot of alcoholics and addicts in this country that started going down that path trying to escape the effects of this strict Christian upbringing that they had. An upbringing where you're not allowed to question anything. Now, I never had that issue. I grew up, my father was a priest in the Episcopal Church. And I was allowed to ask questions. Now, in the the Episcopal Church, the Bible is holy. The Bible is sacred, obviously. But 
it's not considered to be the infallible word of God. Quite frankly, too many human hands were involved in putting it together, so I don't think it could be the infallible word of God anyway. So in the Episcopal Church, there is opportunity to interpret and to think for yourself when you read the Bible, to try and figure out what God is trying to tell us in any specific part. But there's an ability there to question and interpret on your own and think for yourself. I can't imagine being raised in an environment where I was not allowed to question things. And I'm obviously not saying that every you know person that was raised in a strict Christian household is going to grow up to be an alcoholic or an addict. That is not the case. But there are a lot of alcoholics and addicts who have that shared experience. None of us want to see family or friends get addicted to drugs. But blaming someone's drug problem on a lack of a border wall is idiotic. Even if you put up the biggest, most bestest wall that was just completely impenetrable in every possible way, drugs are going to get in because people want drugs. Like, you may have never done drugs in your life, and it is completely beyond your comprehension that someone would want to put any sort of narcotics into their body. And that's your reality. And that's completely fine. Good for you. You've never felt the need to do any drugs. Some people can't handle what they've been through in their life and they don't know how to deal with it. You know, it could be stuff from childhood. It could be from adult life. It could be any number of things. But in most addicts, there's a desire to escape reality. And to give you an idea where I'm speaking from, I'm a recovering alcoholic. And I'm currently in the midst of the longest period of my life being sober. I'm coming up on four years. Now, booze was my thing, obviously. I was an alcoholic. I did a lot of other drugs over the course of that alcoholism, but it was always booze that kind of fueled everything else. And one thing that you have to understand about someone who's an addict, whether it's, you know, alcohol or drugs or whatever, the ability to rationalize, to keep doing what you're doing is incredibly powerful. When I was drinking, everything was a reason to drink. I had a really good day. I'm going to get drunk. I had a really bad day. I'm going to get drunk. The U.S. men's team didn't make the World Cup. I'm going to get drunk. Target has Ritz crackers on sale. I'm going to tie one on. And yes, the ra- and yes, the rationalizations that one uses to get drunk or get high can sound just that ridiculous. But that doesn't make them any less valid to the addict. And the thing is with addiction, you have to want to do it. You, you can't force anybody to quit. No matter how impassioned your plea is to this person, no matter how you point out how they're ruining their life, it's not going to matter what you say. Addiction is an incredibly powerful thing. Those chains are incredibly hard to break, and you have to be willing to do the work to break them, and it's a lot of work. I didn't mean to go off on that tangent about addiction, but it, it I feel it's valid when you're talking about people who think that a border wall is going to stop drugs. You have to look at what the root is. The root is that there's a demand for drugs because people are addicted. Why are they addicted? Well, what's going on in their lives? That's what they have to figure out. Maybe they need access to, uh, you know, mental health professionals. And they probably don't have access to mental health professionals. Or they can't afford it. Why don't we try to change that and make sure people who need mental health care can get mental health care? I'm not going to get off on health care in general because that's a topic for another time. It's too much to dig into right now. But... When it comes to stopping drugs, because let's face it, the war on drugs has been going on longer than I've been alive. And, oh, look, there's still drugs. (laughs) It's got to be the most unsuccessful war ever. Makes Vietnam look like Michael Jordan dunking on a middle schooler. 
But I guess the thing that gets me about the $6.1 billion that Trump wants to take from the Defense Department funds to build this wall is the fact that his supporters are all about it. I want you to imagine if a Democrat suggested taking $6.1 billion from the Defense Department funds, some of which included retirement programs for members of the U.S. military and wanted to do anything with it. To me, what it shows, Trump supporters, there's that I don't understand that hero worship where this guy becomes the shining example of all that you believe in, even though he doesn't hold any of the morals that most of those people claim to hold dear. You know, you see these memes all the time, or at least I do on my timeline, but people posting these memes with this picture of Trump wrapped in an American flag with like an American bald eagle on his shoulder or something, holding a Bible in one hand and a gun in the other and, says something like greatest president ever. The thing of it is, because when I try to criticize Trump to some of these people, they'll go back to what about Obama? What about them? Like, I never posted anything that said any president was the best president ever. And the reason why is because all of them are beholden to some billionaire or corporation or industry or lobby. There's very few that aren't. Very, very few. They are the needle in the proverbial haystack. A lot of Trump supporters say he tells it like it is, or he he tells the truth. No, he doesn't do either one. He tells you how he sees it. Oddly enough, white supremacists see a lot of things the same way. Like for me, that's one of the biggest stumbling blocks. There's so many stumbling blocks with Trump, but the simple fact that like the Klan and other white supremacists like what he's about How is that not like the biggest red flag ever? So, Trump is so full of shit, it just seems to spew out of everywhere and all over everything. And his supporters really like that smell. I will never, ever, ever understand it. But there's a lot of things that I don't understand. That's just one of the many. That's why the podcast is called Is It Me? Because I have no idea. Right now, our sponsors at Bass Aquas Industries have a couple apps that they want you to check out. Between work or kids or school or just life in general, sometimes you're just too busy to really communicate with your friends, which is why text messaging can be such a blessing. See? There's a message from your buddy Kyle. Oh. Oh, Kyle's getting back together with Ann. Again. Yep, now he's texting that things are going to be different this time. So you begin to type furiously. Wanting to remind Kyle of the time that Ann not only cheated on him and disrespected him, but the time that she conned him out of thousands of dollars for medical treatments that she wasn't even getting. Instead of typing all those things for the 87th time, Bass Aquas Industries has an answer. The Slap App. Just hit the send button on the Slap App and... Yep, a hand will reach right out of their phone and crack a fresh one on their face. When you're tired of using your words... Use the Slap app. Download the Slap app now from Bass Aquas Industries. Bass Aquas Industries is not responsible for any lawsuits you might incur by using the Slap app. In these turbulent times, many people are trying to find a spiritual center in their lives. To find a church where they feel safe, secure, and accepted. If you're still searching for your spiritual home, have you considered the Church of Satan? We're not just an excuse for pasty middle-aged honkies to have orgies. Find out more at churchofsatan.com and we hope to see you soon.
Ladies, whether it's on social media, your email, or a dating website, aren't you tired of checking your inbox to find a stack of dick pics? Well, Bass Ackwards Industries has the app to put the kibosh on those unsolicited pervy snapshots with the Shock and Owl app. With just the push of a button, the Shock and Owl app will send a 10,000 volt charge directly to the sender's baby maker. <laughs> So if you're sick to death of all of those unsolicited dick pics and all of their veiny grossness, download the Shock and Owl app today. We don't know if it deep fries their testicles or makes them explode. What we do know is it hurts like a son of a bitch. (laughs) And quite frankly, that's the point. Download the Shock and Owl app today and make those pervs pay. Bass Edwards Industries is not responsible for any lawsuits brought against you by using the Shock and Owl app. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about football before I wrap this whole thing up. See, I am an Alabama fan. Like I said earlier in the podcast, yeah, my mother and father both went to Alabama. My, my uncles and my cousins on my dad's side all went to the University of Alabama. So I'm an Alabama fan. But it's odd because since Nick Saban started cranking out national championships, a lot of Alabama fans kind of came out of the woodwork. You know what I'm saying? And it seems to me like a lot of these people, they, they just grab on to Alabama football as something to be proud of in our state. Which, don't get me wrong, there's, there's, I don't have an issue with, with anybody being proud of whatever college football team they love. Auburn, Georgia, whatever, you know. That's your school, you root for them, you're a fan. And I've suffered through a lot of crappy Alabama teams, man. I mean, I lived through, you know, Ray Perkins, Bill Curry, who wasn't terrible, just couldn't beat Auburn, and we can't have that. Of course, then there was Gene Stallings, national championship there. And then there was Mike DeBose, and the dark days just began. You know, I remember, you know, three and nine seasons. And the only thing that starts to bother me with, with Alabama football is the fact that it's all some Alabama fans kind of focus on is how good we are in football, but they don't really – it seems to overshadow everything else that's wrong with our state. You know, the highest infant mortality rate in the country, close to dead last in education, but the University of Alabama football team is kicking ass, so everything's good. But that's the funny thing to me about football. Like I said, I love football. Not just Alabama football. I will watch whatever game is on. When I was in high school, we lived kind of in the boonies down in Florida, and we had a satellite dish. You know, the big, old school, like, God's salsa bowl, huge satellite dish. And you'd wind up watching a football game that had no commentary whatsoever. It was just silent, just football noise. Two schools you've never heard of. Southwestern Indiana Tech. Versus the Eastern Virginia School for the Blind. Dad and I would just pick a team and root for them. I still do that. I will watch any game that's on. Now, I don't do it as much now because my wife has no use for football whatsoever. So I try not to torture her with, you know, just constant football. Saturday, Sunday, college, pro, all of it. Funny thing to me about football and, and, you know, sports in general. But football because it's so popular in America. American football. You know, athletes get taught, you know, sportsmanship. As they're growing up and learning the game, sportsmanship is a part of the game. Fans don't seem to have that same, they don't get those same lessons, I don't think. 
there's this weird air of superiority because of what your football team did, which you had nothing to do with whatsoever. You yelling at your TV on your couch in Russellville, Alabama, did nothing to help Alabama win that game, or Auburn, whoever you root for in Alabama. But there's that weird sense of it, right? There's this complete lack of sportsmanship. It's all smack talk and you suck and whatever. And there are a lot of college football fans that don't like pro football. I like pro football. I like college football better. But I always find it really funny when people start freaking out about what professional athletes get paid and how ridiculously high the salaries are. And I don't disagree with that. I do not disagree with that. I think that it's ridiculous to pay someone who catches a football for a living 30-something million dollars a year. But these players are just getting what the market allows them to get. I mean, if you don't like it, then the things that you do to try to stop that would be to stop going to professional football games, stop buying officially licensed merchandise. It's just funny to me how for some people their their whole philosophy and their politics also get wrapped up in their football, which should be fairly separate. You shouldn't have to, to, to put those together because it's not like a Reese's peanut butter cup. Like, putting politics in your football isn't like putting peanut butter in your chocolate. It's like putting peanut butter in your salsa, and that's just gross, and nobody wants that. I guess the point I'm trying to make is I'm really excited about the start of football season. You know, I love watching college game day, even though it's kind of sad to watch Lee Corso deteriorate year after year, but still, it's Lee Corso, it's fine. That guy's got a job until he's in a body bag, and I'm okay with that. That guy could drop an F-bomb on the air, and ESPN's like, it's okay, Lee. It's all right. I guess what I'm really thinking about is the fact that Things that we enjoy shouldn't get ruined by other people. And I've never been a fan of the notion that, you know, because I'm an Alabama fan, if someone else is an Alabama fan, then we should be friends. That is also a patently ridiculous notion. There are fans of every team, college, pro, whatever, that are complete and utter douche nozzles. Has nothing to do with the team they root for. That's just the kind of person they are. They just happen to be a fan of the same team that you are. The funny thing to me is that there are times where I will hesitate to say that I am an Alabama fan, much the same way that I will hesitate to call myself a Christian or to tell someone that I am a Christian. I am both of those things, but there are so many examples of Christians and Alabama fans who are just kind of angry, hate-filled, Tasmanian devils of whirling, hateful bullshit that you don't want to be associated with them. There are Alabama fans who don't want to constantly talk about Nick Saban's dominance of the college football world. There are Christians who don't want to beat you over the head with the Bible and make you be a certain way. That's part of the issue. You don't hear those voices as much. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that they are there. If I'm one, there are others. There have to be. I'm not a unicorn. I can say my whole family's that way. Dad's an Alabama fan, went to Alabama. I think he's got one Alabama baseball cap, maybe one game day shirt. Like, I've never seen anybody in my family dress head to toe in Alabama gear, like shoes and sweatpants and socks and shirts and jackets and hats and everything else. If you're a fan, just be a fan. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Is It Me? If you want to email me and call bullshit on something I was talking about on the podcast, you're welcome to do that. Or if you want to email me and tell me something you want me to talk about on the podcast, you can do that too. Or if you just want to email me because you're lonely, that's fine as well, I guess. A little weird, but it's okay. You can email me at seriouslyisitme at gmail.com. Seriouslyisitme at gmail.com. 
I'm Farley, and this has been Is It Me? Tune in next time, and remember, try to be decent and respectful to each other, or at least don't go full-blown asshole.